Very cool. Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Doing all right? Right on. Just nudge your neighbor and just say, you're looking good this morning. Come on, let them know. They're looking good. We all came dressed up, so. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to join you guys. Like Pastor Hyden said, my name's Tony Lopez, um, and I work with the youth here at Walk Church as well as the Grind Team. So uh, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity. It's a joy. I've been looking forward to it. I'm excited. And uh, if you're joining us, we're in the middle of a series called The Blessed Life. This is a series we've been going through in the book of Ephesians. And so you haven't missed too much yet, okay, because this is going to last a while. Um, but we are on part three today. So we've done part one, part two. Today will be part three. And uh, Hyden kicked it off uh, two weeks ago. And last week we touched on some of the blessings that we have in Christ. We're talking about the blessed life. We talked about how we've been chosen by God, how we've been adopted by God. And we talked about how, as Christians, those are great blessings that we can rejoice in, that we can find joy in and satisfaction in. And so we're going to continue that talk today. Um, if you have your Bible, uh, if you'd open up to the book of Ephesians with me, uh, we're going to go to uh, chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 7 through 10, and uh, today we'll be keying in specifically on verses 7 and 8, but we'll get some context in there. Um, so uh, it's up on the screens. Um, I'll go ahead and begin. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. And I just want to reread verses 7. Uh, today we're looking at verse 7 and then half of verse 8. So we'll, we'll look uh, at that one more time. It says, uh, in him we have redemption. Everyone say redemption. We just sing the couple songs that talked about that. Uh, how God has redeemed us. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness, if you can say forgiveness with me, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive, God, that it's living, that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And uh, God, I pray today that it wouldn't be my words, God, but it would be your words, Lord, that you'd speak to us. God, you reveal your word to us. And uh, God, that you would do something powerful in our lives that we wouldn't leave the same. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, uh, with this series, The Blessed Life, uh, we've been talking about this phrase, blessed. You know, it's, it's a phrase that's common in our culture. Uh, we talked a couple weeks ago uh, about the, the, just the term hashtag blessed. So you'll see t-shirts sometimes that'll say hashtag blessed, okay? Uh, or if you're on Instagram, Hayden uh, used a quote from New York Times that said there's been 46 million posts with the post hashtag blessed. I saw one recently. It was a fun one. There was a girl, she woke up. And she had no makeup on. She said, hashtag blessed, because she, she thought she looked great, right? So that's cool. <laughs> so amen, right? Um, you know, a recent artist, Bruno Mars, we talked about how he recently put out a song. And in his song, he uses the phrase, hashtag blessed. And in the song, you know, one of the things, it, it kind of shows you uh, the perception of what blessing is. And, and, and while there is blessings, uh, material blessings, you know, the song is, you know, it's him coming out of his jet, and he's got ladies everywhere, and they got the cars, and he's in the casino, and he hits 777, and he's uh, on the, this part I'm kind of like jealous of, okay? He's in the Bellagio water fountain driving a sea okay? That's pretty cool. I'm like, I would be down to do that. So, so there's this idea of blessed, right? What does it mean to have a blessed life? And uh, we, we've seen the bumper stickers, or you've heard the phrase, God bless America, and it's this idea, you know, of God, would you, would you give us favor? Would you give us grace? Would you increase our resources? And and just to kind of put it in perspective, right, is that uh, God really has blessed us. We all are very aware of this. We, know, we all kind of know the stats, right? Like most people in other countries don't have it nearly as good as us. But just to kind of help break that down for us to see it is 
uh, if you were to reach into your pockets today and pull out a set of keys, even if it was leading to a car that wasn't very nice, you know, right now I'm rolling in an O2 Honda Civic, okay? This thing is, it's, uh, it's okay, right? <laughs> and uh, it has no AC in it right now, <laughs> right? Like I, have the, like, like I have the condenser, I have the money to get it fixed, but I'm just like, uh... I'm just that guy, right? Like, I just I haven't gotten a fix, right? Like, if, yeah, I don't know. I don't need to go into that more. But, um, but, yeah, even if you have an O2 Civic with no air conditioning, as much as I like to complain as I'm driving in the heat, and I'm like, it's a, it's a sauna. Like, I've probably lost 10 pounds maybe in June. <laughs> and uh, just, like, you'll show up to a meeting, and I'm like, okay, i got to, like, wipe off. <laughs> no, it's awful. Lord, help me. I am hopefully getting a new vehicle, so pray for me, please. But, um, but even if you have that car, you're blessed. You know, if you were to reach into your fridge, you know, when you get home today and you're like, man, I'm thirsty. And you're like, man, I don't have Gatorade. I don't have Powerade. I don't have soda or whatever you like to drink when you get home after church, right? And all I got is water. You're blessed. If you go into your pantry and there's no Chick-fil-A there or your fridge, you don't have Chick-fil-A leftovers from yesterday, then all you got is like some bread and some peanut butter and some jelly and you got to make a PB&J and microwave dino nuggets, you are still blessed, right? Right? <laughs> Um, and, and what's cool is we're, we're questioning and asking ourselves, what is the blessed life? And what's interesting is the author of this letter is the Apostle Paul. And what's funny is Paul wasn't penning this letter talking about all the blessings we have. Paul wasn't in like a nice hotel somewhere, right? He wasn't like on the Sea of Galilee, like overlooking it, just being like, man, we are so blessed to be Christians. And he's like, you know, like whistling to servants to give him grapes. And like, like well, the crazy thing is Paul, in the context of this, Paul's in prison. So Paul is literally in prison talking about the blessed life. Like, show me that music video, right? Like, like in the prison cell, like, yeah, I'm blessed. Like, like, everyone would be like, wait, what? Like, your blessing is something different than what I'm familiar with, right? And so uh, we're challenging ourselves today with that idea. What is the blessed life? You know, Jesus said it this way. He said, you know, what profited a man if he gains the entire world, yet he forfeits his soul? And does God give physical, material blessings? Sure, he does. Look at Israel throughout their history. He blesses them with the promised land. And, you know, you see the, the way God had blessed the temple and the seed of the temple and how much they, resources they put into it. But there's a lot, um, but there's also spiritual blessing, you know, and there's that whole other side of it that's like even so much richer and so much greater that, you know what, you can take everything else that I have, but if I have Christ, I have enough. And so that's, that's kind of the idea we're looking at today. What are our blessings in Christ? And so we're going to kick off the verse, if we can get it back up there, please. Uh, starting in verse 7, we're going to kind of go through 7, and then we'll call it 8a, which is just the first half of 8, and kind of walk through that together this morning. Um, the first two words, it says, in him we have a, a redemption through his blood. That phrase, in him, is actually a phrase that's used 40 times in Ephesians, something that, that Paul is continuing to emphasize. It's, it's actually the greatest blessing, you know. He, he goes on to share all the blessings we have in Christ. We are, we're adopted, we're chosen, we're redeemed, we're forgiven. He continues on with, with even more blessings. But the greatest blessing that we have is that we are in Christ, that we are in him. This connotates union, that the God of the universe didn't just make us and kind of like wind the clock and let us kind of do our thing, but he wants relationship with us, that he's close to us, that, he's, that it's a personal relationship where we don't just know about God, but that we actually know him, that we are in him. And... Um, you know, I think what can often happen is we can get so focused on pursuing other blessings that we fail to remember to even recognize that our, our ultimate blessing is in him. You know, there's a great, great quote that I like that says, my soul is most satisfied when it finds its satisfaction in you, O God. Or there's one by Augustine, he says, my heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. 
that there's something powerful about being in God. Like, like, like we, so often in life, we just try to find it in so many other areas, right? Maybe it's in a new relationship, right? It's like, oh man, life's kind of so-so. I'd rate it like a six and a half out of 10. But man, if I could just be in a relationship with someone I really liked, man, then it would be a 10, right? Or maybe it's in a new car, right? You're like, oh man, I got this O2 Honda. This thing sucks. I want a 2017 Camaro or 2018 now, right? I want it lowered and a body kit and extra parts on it so it's fast and cool Lamborghini doors. No, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. Um, but it's like, man, if I could just have that or to in a new position, right, or in a new home or, or in all these things that we can try to find our fulfillment in, try to receive meaning and purpose, and all along God's saying, hey, it's right here. You already have it. It's in me. And what we do is we, we often chase things that we already have, wanting things that we already have. And I'm reminded of a story um, of, uh, I used to work in Lake Las Vegas. My, my parents, we live way out there, so we live far away. Everything is like a 40-minute drive. I'm like, oh, gosh, it's too far. But, uh, but yeah, so I used to work in Lake Las Vegas. I worked in in-room dining, so I'd be the guy, like, knock on your door and be like, hi, we got chicken fingers for you, right? And I'd be on the tray, and we'd give you the chicken fingers. And the bartender there was telling me a story one time about his mom, and uh, his mom collects books. She's, like, really smart, though, right? Like, she, like, knows what a book's value is. So, like, like, she could grab a book and, like, look at, like, the publisher and when it was made and what edition it is and all that kind of crazy stuff and be like, yeah, this one's probably worth about 100 bucks. And you're like, wow, that was just sitting on my shelf. I didn't know that was 100 bucks. And so she was doing, she, what she does is she kind of goes to garage sales, and that's what she does. She'll go through these books and try to find, you know, good deals. And she was at a garage sale one time, and, you know, this lady kind of put out all her stuff at her house, and she's got a bunch of books, and she's thinking, man, I'm going to make a few hundred bucks. Like, this is going to be sweet. I'm going to walk out today with 600 bucks, and life's going to be good. And uh, when my friend's mom was there, and she, she was going through the books, and she realized, oh, my gosh. As she's flipping through the books, she noticed one of these books is, like, first edition. It's, like, a classic. It, it goes way back. Like, like, it's all, like, the right things. It's mint condition. It's all these things that make it worth a lot of money. And so she tells the lady, you know, hey, uh, I'll give you 50 cents for this book. Like, this is a true story, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so she got the book maybe for 50 cents or for a dollar. She ends up selling the book for $100,000. This is a true story, $100,000 for a book, right? So go to your closet and go through your books. You might have one of those. But literally, a $100,000 book she got for a dollar. What's my point is the lady didn't know what she had, right? Like she was out to try to make 600 bucks when she really had 100 grand. And I feel like that's just a good example or a good image or a good picture of what it is with us. You know, so often we're out to try to you know, get some blessing here, get some blessing there, try to find some satisfaction there. When all along, God is like, yo, just come and find it in me that I'm, I, I'm God. Like, I made all of this. I created all of this. Like, I'm big enough to, to take care of you. And so, so in him, I didn't want us to rush past that. There's a, another good quote in regards to that. He says, how foolish and ultimately disappointed are those who stoop to drink from any other fountain. You know, what fountain are we drinking from? It's a question to ask ourselves. Um, so th that leads us into point number one. So uh, verse 7, I'm going to start it from the beginning. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. This is phrase redemption. This is a term, uh, this will be our first point, the first blessing that we have in Christ is redemption. And we say this term, and it's something that we may not be too familiar with. Maybe you've been to like Chuck E. Cheese, and you're like redeeming your coins for a prize, right? We kind of have some concept of redemption. Um, but if you were to go back into Paul's time, the use of this word was in the context of slavery. And so slaves at this time, um, if you were a slave and someone decided to purchase your freedom for you, they would say that you've been redeemed. So if I'm a slave and, and, and you know, I have a, a rich cousin or something, and he's like, hey, I'm going to get you out of slavery, and he pays the bill for me to get free, he has redeemed me. And Jesus has 
is using this language. Paul has used this language. And, and, and they use the example of Israel. When Israel was in bondage in Egypt, they were redeemed once God delivered them. And, and, and so what he says is redemption wasn't something that just happened to Israel. It's not something that just happened to slaves. It's something that happens to us. Which leads to the question, you know, what are we redeemed from? You know, I think if you go to the average person just up on the street and you said, hey, uh, um, do you need redemption? First of all, they'd probably be really confused, right? It's kind of like a church word maybe. Um, but they'd also probably think, no, not really. Like, my life's great. Like, no, it's going really good right now. Like, man, I, you know, my, I just got a raise at my job and things are great. And, you know, no, I don't need redemption. This Jesus thing, I'm good, right? And I think one of the things you'll notice in Jesus' ministry is what he did is he oftentimes preached law to those who thought they were righteous and he preached grace to those who knew they, that they were sinners. And why, why do we see that kind of pattern in Jesus' life? Those people that thought they were really good, he was kind of hard on them, right? Like, like you read these, these texts about the Pharisees and these people that thought they were righteous, and what was his point of doing that? To let them know, look, you're not good enough to get into heaven. Like you could never be good enough. Like you need to realize that you're a sinner. And even the apostle Paul, right? Like the guy that if there was ever an example of someone that was like, all right, dude, you're like the best out of all of us, right? Like you've been beaten and stoned and whipped for Christ. Like you've given your life away for all things, you know, regarding the gospel. And yet you look at Paul and he says, I'm the chief of sinners. Like he was so in tune with God that he actually realized like, yeah, I really need God. Like I recognize my own sinfulness. There's a passage in Isaiah where Isaiah enters into the presence of God. Now this is Isaiah the prophet. Like this isn't like some like person that was like in, you know, doing a bunch of bad stuff like we would say, right? This is Isaiah the prophet. He's like the best dude around. And yet when he enters the presence of God, he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. What is he saying? He's saying, man, in light of God's goodness, oh, I'm not good. Like I need redemption. I need forgiveness. I need, I need you know, I need God. And so, uh, you know, we look at a, a guy that comes up to Jesus, right? And he says, hey, good teacher. Jesus didn't respond. Oh, yeah, what's up, man? He said, why do you call me good? And what was his point with that? He said, after that, he says, there's none good but God. And his point is that, you know, according to Romans 3.23, we've all fallen short. We've all kind of missed the mark, right? Sin is missing the mark. Like God's called us, called us to live this way, and yet we've, we've made trespasses, we've made sins, we've kind of chosen our own thing, and yet God puts us in a place where we need redemption, and that's why we need him. And uh, one thing um, that's important to, that kind of helps realize this is this idea of in order to understand the good news, sometimes we have to understand the bad news, right? Sometimes you can't make sense of good news unless you understand the bad news. If, if I don't understand that I'm a sinner, then I, I can't make sense of what Jesus did on the cross. I don't see how that's such a good thing for me. And uh, I'm going to read a quote here. Uh, it's by, um, or I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, the streets of heaven will be filled with former captives who through no merit of their own find themselves redeemed, forgiven, and free. We'll read it one more time. It says, the streets of heaven will be filled with former captives who through no merit of their own find themselves redeemed, forgiven, and free. I love here, it's, it's no merit of my own, that I haven't earned my salvation, I haven't deserved it, it's a free gift that I freely receive. And one thing uh, uh, about, um, regarding this idea is, you know, redemption is, is God setting us free from slavery, right? We're in, uh, you know, both the power and the penalty of sin. We're in the prison cell of sin, and God opens the doors and sets us free, right? And we get to experience freedom. But the truth is, is there's, there's times where we return back to the cell. There's times like God has set us free, 
and yet it's Friday night, you had a long week, and your mind wanders. And where do you wander back to? You wander back into yourself. And you find yourself in a filthy cell, maybe doing things that you never thought you'd be doing. I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to act like this, or I'm not supposed to do this. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of the story of Israel. You know, Israel gets redeemed from Egypt, right? They get delivered, and it's like miraculous. It's not like God just kind of showed up in their life. Like, God showed up in a big way, like splitting the Red Sea, guiding them by cloud, like all this stuff. And what's one of the first things they do? They go back to their old way, right? All of a sudden, you know, Moses goes up on the hill, and they get, they get a golden calf, and they begin to worship an idol, right? It's like, how does that happen, guys? Like, God just did this in your life, and now, but it happens to all of us, right? God does stuff in our life, but there's times where we find ourselves back here. And I heard one guy say it this way. He called it the cycle of success. He said, you start off at the bottom. It's a circle, okay? You start off at the bottom, and you're in slavery. From slavery, there's redemption, right? God's redeeming you. He's, he's kind of restoring you, bringing you back, making you whole. After uh, redemption or restoration, there's now blessing. Like you're, you're in a, now in a season of your life where things are going good. Like you've been trusting God. You've been obedient to God. He's been blessing you, whatever that may look like. Life is going good. And I've heard it said this way, the greatest test is always success. That once God is, or I'm sorry, once life is really good, once things are going really well, that's when we really can be tempted and challenged and potentially mess up, right? And he says what can happen is you go from this position where now you're in success, you're in this season of blessing, and just like Israel, our temptation is then to forget about God. And so you begin to forget about God, and then either A, you keep forgetting about God, and then you're back in slavery, and then you need redemption, and then you're back, you know what I'm saying? This is like a cycle of life, right? Like if you look at your life, we're kind of like, yeah, that sounds somewhat like my story sometimes. Um, but that's what happens. And so what's the key? Is the key we just keep going through that cycle and eventually we go to heaven and everything's going to be okay? No, I'm going to look at a verse. It's in Second uh, Chronicles 7.14. If we can pull that up. I'll pull it up as well. Um, it says, uh, and I'm reading from NLT here. He says, uh, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now, I love this. He says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. You know, the, 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 you know how do we break this cycle of, of success and failure and success and failure? Well, it's right when you begin to start feeling really good about yourself and you begin to forget about God that it's in that moment that you have to humble yourself. You have to you know, you're not going to feel like it. You're not going to want to go to pray or spend some time with God or go to church. Like, life is good. Things are awesome. Your temptation is just to kind of forget about God and keep doing what you want to do and keep doing you. And, and, and what he's saying here is in that moment, if we would humble ourselves, we would stop ourselves from going back into slavery, and we'd be able to enjoy our, ourselves in, in our life in God's blessing. And uh, there's a, a good quote. Uh, I think, Harrison, you may have it up, right? Okay. It says, the streets of heaven will be filled with, or, or, I'm sorry, next quote. It's going to be by Watchman Nee. And it says this, to wholly conquer sin, the believer needs but a moment. To deny self, he needs a lifetime. I thought that was really powerful. You know, in a moment, God forgives us our sins. God redeems us. But at the same time, there's this battle that we have with our self, right? With our flesh. And, and it's a daily battle. We recognize it and we feel it. And, and that is something that isn't just going to happen overnight, but it's something that's a lifetime. Um, as we continue in this verse, verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption. Then it says this, it says, Through his blood. And if, uh, if you were to kind of study the Old Testament, blood is significant with life. So blood represents life. 
So how do we have redemption? It's through Christ's blood. Ultimately, it's through Christ's life. That in order for us to have redemption, God had to give us his life. And this wasn't like something that was cheap. It was something that was costly. Like I remember, this was probably about five years ago. Um, I, you know, we all went through the stage with acne and stuff, right? Okay, some of us are still going through that stage. <laughs> Help us, Lord, right? But I remember going to a doctor because I was like fed up with it. I was like, I keep breaking out. This is awful. <laughs> and so I went to a doctor and... Uh, they gave me some medication, right? Like, okay, take these pills, blah, 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 and it'll stop. Okay, awesome. So anyways, I leave the doctor's office, and I uh, start heading over to pick up my prescription at, you know, later on at CVS or something. And uh, I remember thinking it was, it was going to be like 10 bucks or, or 15 bucks. For whatever reason, that's just what I thought. And I got up to the window, and she said, oh, it's 30 bucks. And I was kind of like, ah, 30 bucks for these pills. They're probably not even going to work. I was kind of frustrated. And I was like, whatever. Okay, here's 30 bucks. And I got the pills, and I was driving home. And then I looked at the late, or I looked at like the receipt, and I noticed that they're actually 600 bucks, but insurance covers 570 bucks or whatever it is. And it was like this moment where I was like, "Wow!" Like I thought I was spending so much money trying to get these things for 30 bucks when they're worth 600 bucks. And it was like this perspective of like, "Wow, this thing that I thought was cheap was actually really costly." And my point with that is when it comes to what God has done, he's given his blood for us. It wasn't like it was something cheap. It was something that was extremely costly. It's something that if we really understood what he did, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that brings us to our knees. It's like, wow, that God, the creator of the universe, would now humble himself, you know, be crucified on a cross. For what reason? Shedding blood so that we could have life. And so, uh, beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, next thing is, uh, we continue, he says, in him we have Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And I'd like us to read uh, Psalm 130, verses 3 through 4. And this is for point number two, which is forgiveness. What are the blessings we have in Christ? We have redemption and we have for forgiveness. He says this, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. You know, the beautiful thing about forgiveness is it's, it's an offer to everybody, right? I don't care what you've done. Paul was someone who was in charge of killing Christians, right? And literally the, the crazy thing is when Jesus kind of appears to Paul, as Paul is doing this, he says, why are you persecuting me? So literally as he's killing Christians, he's actually persecuting Jesus himself. And yet even Jesus still offers Paul forgiveness. If you look all over the New Testament, you see the people that Jesus interacts with, right? There are people that aren't like these really clean, squeaky clean people. They're dirty. They have issues. They have problems. They've been beat up by life. They're people that are finding themselves in sin patterns. And yet God says, look, forgiveness is not just for the people that have it together. Forgiveness is for everybody. Um, as we continue, he says, uh, forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And uh, I want us to focus just on, on the fact that it's God's grace. That this is something that God has lavished on us. It's not something that he was kind of tight with. But he's freely given us this grace. You know, it's beautiful. It's like even when we find ourselves back in those cells, you know, the prison cell of sin, that God continues to give us grace, continues to lead us out into the light and says, look, man, we're going to get back on track. We're going to make this work. He pours out his grace on us. There's a quote um, I'd like to read. It says, uh, what a horror it would be if God had revealed himself to be a God of infinite power, a God of infallible wisdom, a God of inflexible holiness, and also a God devoid of compassion and sympathy, for lost and ruined mankind, how we should praise him for the riches of his grace. 
you know, grace is one of those things that's a real rich. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it has real value. It has real worth. Like, you know, I think about it. When I breathe my last breath, all the currency changes. The things that were valuable on this earth now all of a sudden are not as valuable. The things that we did not live in light of their value are all of a sudden very valuable. You know, I think about Bruno Mars's video and the sea and the cars and the jet. That stuff's fun. Like, don't get me wrong. I would, that would be really fun to have those things. I'm not lying, right? It would be fun, but, but once you breathe your last breath, those things don't have value. You can't bring them with you. You can't, they're not spiritual. You can't take them. You know, when you breathe, breathe your last breath, what's valuable is grace. What's valuable is forgiveness. What's valuable is, is redemption. That these are things that, that, that are ultimately valuable. And so it's like, how are we living our life in light of that? You know, if that's, if that's something that, that's a real reality, man, am I thanking God for that daily? You know, is that something that, man, if I'm down and I'm kind of beat up and I'm discouraged because maybe my finances aren't where they should be or, or physically things aren't looking the way they should be, right? Am I able to find hope and joy in spiritual blessings and recognizing like, man, but at the end of the day, I'm forgiven. Like I'm actually redeemed. Like I was a slave to sin under the penalty of sin and now I'm gonna be redeemed. God has forgiven my sin. He's given me grace. These are these are things that in light of eternity have great value. And last quote, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 15.10. Uh, this is also the Apostle Paul. He says, uh, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And I love this point. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, Hayden talked last week about being chosen about being adopted. These are things that we didn't earn. You know, these aren't things that I did by my own effort. Like God would be perfectly just to just let us, you know, pass away and go on our way and, and there'd be nothing else after that. But yet God has come and he's given us grace. He's given us redemption. He's given us mercy, forgiveness. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when we're, when we're challenged with the thought of what is the blessed life? Like you may not have much, right? Like, like you may be in the car category and you say, like, I don't have car keys. and I don't have much in my, my pantry or I don't have much, you know, wherever it is. But the cool thing is, is this, this same person, Paul, writes in Philippians, a book we studied last. And he says this, I've learned the secret of being content in all things, right? That there's something beyond, you know, just material blessings or something beyond just having it all together. That when God created us, he created us not just physical, but also spiritual. You know, I remember I had a, uh, someone come up to me one time and say, well, did you know that your, 99, your DNA is 99.5% of that of a chimp? And I said, yeah, you know what that, that, that reveals to me? It reveals to me that I'm not just DNA. Like, sure, maybe DNA is pretty similar, but my experience is significantly different from that of a chimp. Why? Because I'm also spiritual. Jesus, Jesus emphasized this, right? His whole point of, you know, what, what, what good is if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? You know, there, there, there's health care, there's fitness, and it's good to get in shape, but how's your soul doing, yeah? How is your spirit? Is it hard? Is it calloused? Is it worn out? Is it burnt out? You know, I, I find myself at times being so consumed with other things that are just temporary. I find myself pursuing things and chasing after these things, whether it's because I think they're going to provide so much blessing or not, I don't know. But I just think it's something that we do. As sheep, the Bible always uses this analogy for us of sheep. And what do sheep do? They continually wander, right? Like you're trying to get a herd. We have a sheep. Like no one has sheep. We have a sheep, right? <laughs> this thing's crazy. But like if you're trying to get a dog's attention, you're like, come here, boy. The dog's like, yeah, awesome food. 
You try to get a sheep's attention, it's like so dumb. It's just like, man, you know, like, like, yo, come here, like lasso it and pull it. And, uh, you know, I remember hearing this story, and uh, I don't think this dates back to old practices with sheep herding and stuff, but this is something that someone did, and I just, I thought it was so interesting. You know, he had this sheep that was continually wandering astray, and not only was it continuing to wander astray, it would lead other sheep astray, right? So you're like trying to gather your sheep, and like this guy over here is like, no, I'm going over here. And all the homies are like, yeah, we're going over there. And you're like, come on, this sucks. And so... And so somehow he, he, I don't know how he got the idea. It sounds crazy, but, but eventually he actually broke the sheep's leg, right? Like, I'm sorry, Peter, I know it's bad, right? It's a story, okay? I don't know if it's true. But, uh, but the way it goes is he broke the sheep's leg, and the idea was that as the sheep was healing, he was right by the side of the shepherd, right? So the, the sheep, he, he, he heals the sheep up, makes them better, but, but the, the sheep can't walk well, so the shepherd's right alongside of him, say for the next six months. I've never broken a leg. I know it's a long recovery. And for the next six months, he's kind of right alongside of him, kind of helping him, you know, navigate him and, and show him where he's going, taking care of him, helping him when he needs help. And I just thought that's a beautiful picture of us, right? Whether it's just a metaphor or reality, I don't know, but it's a beautiful picture of us in the sense that so often we are tempted to stray. So often we're tempted to wander and kind of do our own thing. And sometimes it's only at rock bottom when something really tragic happens that we have that wake-up call. And we're like, man, God, like, I need you. And we find ourselves, you, you don't find God kind of like this, right? God's not like, well, no, time's up, buddy. Like, I, you had your chance. Like, no. What does God do? He's with open arms. You think about the story of the prodigal son. You know, what did the father do? He runs to his son with open arms. And it's like so often where. You know, we, we just wander and do our thing, and we break our leg, and all of a sudden we need God again. And instead of God doing this, God's doing this, right? He's like, come here. He's like, I'll take care of you. And in those moments, we find that God is healing us. He's restoring us. Like these passages say, he's redeeming us, right? We're in a state where we are in brokenness and prison, and he sets us free. And, and so ultimately, this is the blessed life. The blessed life isn't having tons of material things. Maybe God blesses you with that. Maybe he blesses you with a great car or a great house and a great family. God is a God that does that. Look at the Old Testament. He blesses people. He's not a, something that doesn't bless, but, but it's recognizing that the greatest blessings we have aren't material. They're spiritual blessings. What Christ came to do, like I think about Jesus, when he came to earth, he, he didn't have all the, the physical blessings, right? But what was his focus? What was Paul's focus? You look at these great men of faith. They recognize their spiritual blessings. They were focused and in tune and in living in light of those. And so the blessed life is not just having a bunch of stuff, but it's what we have in Christ. The blessed life is being in him. And I just close uh, just with a response time. You know, there's probably two categories of people in here today. Some of you are new. You know, you've, maybe you got invited to church or you saw one of our A-frame signs. We've been putting so many out there. And you're like, man, I'm going to go check this out. Um, but, but you find yourself here this morning and, You've heard this message about forgiveness, this message about uh, redemption. And you say, man, what's my response? Like, what is God calling me to do? You know, Jesus' first message is found in Matthew 4, 17. What's interesting is his first message is repent. What does repent mean? It means to turn your ways. It means that you're heading one direction, and now you're turning and you're going another direction. Right? You were, you were living in sin. You were kind of pursuing your own thing, and you say, you know what? In light of everything that God has done for me, he's given me his life. He's given me all that he is. I want to now give my life back to him. I want to be a vessel that he can use 
and to be for his glory, be in relationship with him. And so there's some of you in that category. And then there's others of us that we'd find ourselves, you know, you'd say, I'm a Christian, but I do find myself in that season where I've strayed. You know, like Israel, God has delivered you. He's taken you out from the prison cell of sin, but you find yourself kind of walking back in. You find yourself kind of with some filth on you, kind of look, look up and you realize, man, I feel like I'm not really where God has called me to be. I feel like I kind of got cut up. And, and it doesn't even mean it's some like horrid sin. It just means maybe you got too preoccupied with the good things and you missed out on what God really had for you, right? Maybe God gave you, blessed you with a good career and you got really focused on a great career and you realized you kind of forgot about him or he blessed you with a relationship and it's a great relationship, but you realize you kind of forgot about him and he's not first in your life anymore. Um, I just want to encourage you know, both categories, if we, we'd all bow our heads. You know, if you find yourself in that first group and you say, you know what, Tony, I, I need redemption. You know, I've, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord. I've never accepted him as my Savior, as the one who can forgive me of my sins. If you find yourself in that category, if you'd like to just slip up your hand, I'd like to pray for you.